Coming up on this week's show, Jay from Joyfully Jay and Lisa from The Novel Approach are here with book recommendations to grow that TBR to epic proportions. This is the Big Gay Fiction Podcast, the show for avid readers and passionate fans of gay romance fiction. Each week, we bring you exclusive author interviews, book recommendations, and explore the latest in gay pop culture. Welcome to episode 233 of the Big Gay Fiction Podcast. I'm Jeff from jeffadamswrites.com, and with me as always is my co-host and husband, Will Knaus. Hello, everybody. This episode of the podcast is brought to you in part by our remarkable community on Patreon. A big thanks to Jamila for joining us and to Regency Fam for increasing their contribution. We'll have more information on how you can join the community at the end of the show, along with a sneak peek of what we have coming up for you next week. Welcome back, everyone. We're so glad that you could join us. Boy, what a difference a couple of days makes. For most of us here in the U.S., we have spent the first week, or roughly 10 days, in lockdown mode, or social distancing, or quarantine, or whatever the current buzzword is in your neck of the woods. Most of us have been asked to stay at home in order to mitigate the risk of exposure to COVID-19. And Jeff and I are fine. We want to let everyone know that everything is Okie dokie at Casa Knaus and Adams. Truth be told, we work from home anyway, so our day-to-day lives have changed remarkably little. We've had a few up and down days dealing with, you know, news of the outside world. It can be overwhelming sometimes. And we know that while we focus on the brighter side of things here on this podcast, we know that some of you can be dealing with some difficult issues right now. While it's all well and good to ask everyone to stay home, uh, if you're home, that means you're not at work, which means you're not earning a paycheck, which means you may not know where your rent money or your food money is going to come from. So we understand that these are difficult times, and if you need to focus on your friends and family and your health and your mental well-being, we certainly understand. And please take care of what you need to take care of. We'll be here for when you return. Yes, we will be here. We will have books. Uh, If you need books or just good stuff to listen to while all this goes on, we will be here and and try to be that for you. So everybody take care and uh, we'll just keep talking about some books. Now, if you're using some of your social isolation time to get some reading done, uh, a quick reminder that the first edition of the Big Gay Fiction Book Club drops on Tuesday, March 31st, and there is still time to read Annabeth Albert's Arctic Heat. That is our book for the month of March. Jeff and I love this book so very much. So, 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 so Um, (laughs) We've already dropped the special book club episode as a special preview to our Patreon members, but that episode is going to go live into the regular podcast feed on 31st. Yes, something to look forward to there and definitely recommend that book because it is really fabulous. We also want to remind you about the Queer Romance for Literacy fundraising drive that's happening. Now, we know these times are tough for everyone, but if you do have a few dollars to give over to this fundraiser, which is going for pro-literacy, that would be awesome. It's a great cause to be backing. We're happy to say that the overall Romance for Literacy Drive has raised over $27,000 so far, which is slightly over half of their 50000 goal that they're trying to reach by July. Now, in the Queer Romance for Literacy team that we've got, as we record this, we've raised over $500, and we're thrilled with that amount. We'd love to get more representation from the Queer Romance fans in there. And remember, if you pledge as little as 5 or $10, you'll be in the running to get some great signed books from Adriana Herrera, Annabeth Albert, E.J. Russell, Jackie North, and us. So you can give that a look. Uh, the link will be in the show notes if you are able to help out there. In the Hockey Player's Heart, the feel-good gay romance by Jeff Adams and Will Knaus, hockey star Caleb Carter returns to his hometown to recover from an injury. He never expects to run into his one-time crush at a grade school fundraiser. Seeing Aaron Price hits him hard, like being checked into the boards. The attraction is still there, even after all these years, and Caleb decides to make a play for the school teacher. You miss 100% of the shots you never take, right? Aaron has been burned by love before, and can't imagine what a celebrity like Caleb could possibly see in a guy like him. Their differences are just too great, but as Aaron spends more time with Caleb, he begins to wonder if he might have what it takes to win 
the hockey player's heart. Get the hockey player's heart at Amazon.com. So before I get into the book I want to review this week, I have to take a moment out to talk about some music. We don't do music very often on this show unless it revolves around theater, which this does to a uh, well, rather large degree, but it's way different. So this past week, an album came out called Losing My Mind, A Sondheim Disco Fever Dream. Now, this subtitle is <laughs> extremely apropos for this. Some artists got together and took on some Sondheim tunes with some very different musicalization because it all takes a disco beat. And oftentimes these songs are done in a mashup scenario. So it, it includes some songs from Sunday in the Park, Sweeney Todd, Company, Assassins, Into the Woods, West Side Story. And <laughs> to be honest, as I was listening to this full thing for probably my third time, because I'm a little obsessed, I could imagine this being like the big show on the love boat over in the lounge, you know, the after dinner show. And you'd have this 45 minutes of this crazy disco thing going on. There's a mashup of Giants in the Sky, which comes from Into the Woods and Somewhere, which, of course, is a signature tune or one of the signature tunes from West Side Story. And it's it's mashed together in a crazy way, even even including the whispers like Giants. <laughs> and it's like, oh my goodness, what are we listening to? You could sample it on Spotify, and I will try to get that link in the show notes, and I'll also put one in for iTunes, where it's currently available digitally also. And the book I want to look at this week, uh, I have revisited Lily Morton. We know that the Mixed Messages series has become one of my very favorite things, and the latest book, Risk Taker, has really captured my heart because of the journey that Henry and Evo have. Friends to Lovers is among my very favorite tropes, and this story gave me everything I could want with all the amazing humor that Lily infuses this series with. Henry and Evo became stepbrothers when Henry's father married Evo's mother when they were both teenagers. Now, they immediately became fast friends when Henry arrives back home, expelled from yet another school. Evo's mother is one of a string of wives for Henry and his older brother Silas's father, and they immediately recognize this for what it is, as just, you know, another kind of person being in their house. However, Evo becomes amazing friends to both of them, and even after the divorce, Henry and Evo jointly receive one of the family houses in London when the father dies. Now, this only submits their ongoing friendship into adulthood all the more, and now, as an attorney, Henry lives in the house full-time, and Evo uses it as home base for his world travels as a photojournalist. As the book opens, Henry has just come back home from a random bathroom hookup in a bar to find Evo on the doorstep because he's injured and lost his key. And of course, in the humor that infuses a Lily Morton novel, uh, there's more discussion about is the key gone and are they going to be burgled later uh, rather than the fact that Evo is here injured. And it's, it's, it's completely adorable and completely works for these two because they've had a long history of quirky quips to each other. Now, the chemistry between Henry and Evo is you know just thick as thieves right from the beginning as they bicker about needing to get him patched up. And this task falls on their brother Silas, who is a vet because Evo does not want to go to the hospital. So yes, the vet comes over to patch up the human. Now, as Evo gets patched up and begins to settle in back home, the brothers end up discussing Henry's so-called dating life, which really just entails a bunch of hookups. Not only does Evo declare that this life isn't for Henry, Henry actually agrees and indicates that he's actually ready to sit down and you know seriously find a date because he's watched his friends who happen to be the couples from the other two books of this series, find their happily ever afters. Now, as you can guess, Henry really wants to settle with Evo. He's been the man of his dreams for so very long. However, he's sure that Evo won't want a life with a boring attorney. Henry also fears for Evo, uh, since he often goes off to war-torn places for his job, but he doesn't want to be the one to ask him to settle down for his other career as a successful artist. Meanwhile, of course, Evo's convinced that he's not right for Henry because he views himself as broken, and, and he does carry some PTSD because of what he has seen, and he's convinced that Henry can do better than him. But as they settle into a home life with Evo back home, they see what could be possible. 
which is Evo climbing in next to Henry to sleep because he finds it more comforting there. They have meals together. They relax together. They see friends together. And Henry even creates a studio for Evo to let Evo have the chance to paint again and have a nice sanctuary in their home. They have some heartbreakingly honest conversations, too, like what it would be if Henry actually did find someone and where that would leave Evo in their shared home. The thing that they both want to do is to say, choose me. And of course, they are both too scared to do so. Lily does a wonderful job of showing Evo and Henry's past. We've talked on this show a few times about how Will and I feel about flashbacks. And it's really done smartly here. There are little notes that begin each chapter. The boys had a tendency when they got in trouble at home to slide notes under each other's doors while they were being grounded. It's a really cute way to see how long their bond has gone back. And the few flashbacks that there are here are done really smartly and intelligently and don't interrupt the flow of the story. These guys have a bond that has been there forever. And they just have to find that confidence to move to the next step, or it's frankly going to leave them both pretty miserable. And this is made all the worse as Henry continues to go on some truly terrible dates. I can't tell you, as you read these dates, you're both like, these are hysterical. And also, Henry, stop it. Please just go be with Evo like you're supposed to be. Now, of course, Henry and Evo's facades eventually crack in an emotional outburst that leads to some sizzlingly hot and passionate sex made all the more meaningful because of the years of affection that these guys have had for each other. Now, of course, it's not all perfect, even when they kind of start to date each other. There's fears and worries and apprehension, and it all crashes in each step closer they take to each other. In particular, Evo's concerns that he wasn't right for Henry moved me so much as he views himself as just broken because of what he has seen in the world. Lily really delves into the TSD in some of the sessions that Evo has with his therapist. And it's so very cathartic for him. And you know that the happy ever after is coming. And it's it was very cathartic for me to see that Evo got it. And he was able to let himself be happy and know that he was in good hands with Henry. And I, ha- I have to give a certain credit to another really smoking hot sex scene too. The two end up at a, a fancy party that has been thrown and they end up going at it in the coat closet or the cupboard as it's known <laughs> in, in the British terms. It is ridiculously hot. It is one of the hottest sex scenes I've read in a very long time and, and kudos to Lily for that. And it's also, you know, in her way, it's also quite funny. So you, I, th- I think you'll like that when you get to that point in the book. I continue to adore Lily's work, and I think Risk Taker is my favorite in this series, simply because Evo and Henry's story was just, it wasn't even the story I knew that I needed. Joel Leslie gets compliments too, as always, for his work, Uh, in particular how he has captured Evo's fears, worries, and his brokenness, while still finding all the wonderful humor and, and just heartwarmingness that Evo had to offer just made this story everything for me. So I wholeheartedly recommend Risk Taker and the entire Mixed Messages series from Lily Morton. If you're interested in learning more about the books or anything else that we've talked about on this week's show, all you have to do is go to the show notes page for episode 233 at BigGayFictionPodcast.com. Want to hang out with us between shows? Check us out on Facebook. You never know what we might post. News about book sales, bonus video content, and maybe even a live broadcast or two. Like us today at Facebook.com slash Podcast and see what we get up to next. So as if your TBR wasn't already big enough, we have Jay from Joyfully Jay and Lisa from The Novel Approach here to talk about some books. Uh, I can assure you that my TBR grew exactly as it always does when these two are on the show because we've got some great books here to talk about. So I am excited to welcome both Jay from Joyfully Jay and Lisa from The Novel Approach for one big book chat. Hi, guys. Yay! (laughs) This is fun. So we're going to talk about several books. I know you both have three books to talk about, but I want to kick us off with what I think is the book of the moment, and that's T.J. Klune's Mm -hmm. House House in the Cerulean Sea. I've reviewed it already on the show. You guys have both read it. What did you think of this, what I'm just going to say is an amazing book? 
I really loved it. Just to, I guess, maybe catch people up who haven't read it yet. It is the story of a group of magical children who live in an orphanage in a very remote house on an island. And Linus, who is sort of comes to do an inspection on behalf of the organization that oversees the magical children and comes with the intent of investigating and figuring out whether or not they're being taken care of okay, but really not realizing that the organization he works for is not especially interested or caring about these children. And they've sort of been shunned because they have superpowers and magical abilities that are scary to a lot of people. I really loved it because I think that the messaging here is so nice. Just the idea of not being afraid of what you don't know, of, in Linus's case, of thinking beyond just his little part in the process to what happens to these kids when he leaves and how the things that he does affects them on a larger scale. And I think that from T.J. Klune's point, I've read a lot of his books, I think he tends to waver sort of really hysterically funny or really intense and dramatic. And this book I thought was really interesting because I found it sort of in between. There's definitely humorous moments, mostly from the kids and the crazy things they do. One of the boys is the Antichrist, Lucifer slash Lucy, and, you know, he's crazy hijinks, but also there's a lot of emotion in there. So I thought this was a really nice balance and sort of a middle ground versus some of his other books that I've read. I agree. I think it was such a great message book, too. There's such a there's such a message of of kindness Mm-hmm. And it's a message of hope. And it's it's a message of how we message to children. You know, one of the one of the themes and one of the elements with these kids is they're kind of they're kind of the other of the othered. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, they are they are the outcasts of the outcasts. And so I think that there was such a great message that he had throughout the book, where if you're told that there's something wrong with you constantly, then you're going to start believing that there's something wrong with you. And I I loved the, I just, I love the way that Linus came to see these children as special and unique and I don't, I, I want to be very careful with my wording. I don't want to say normal, but, but that they are just children, even if they have their own special, their own special little ways of communicating and interacting with each other. And I just thought it was such a sweet book. It, I mean, it was one of those books where you were laughing one minute and then I got a little choked up then, you know, just a little bit later. And so I, I think that it was, it's, just it's such a gorgeous book with a beautiful message and it's such a timely message of just you know let's just be kind to each other I think is really one of the biggest takeaways from the book but on top of it TJ's imagination is just off the hook on this one where he went with some of the characters and some of the situations and and like you said with Lucy and and how he was he he was this little sweet little menace you know he he was such a he was such a menace but then he was sweet and then there was Chauncey who I just absolutely head over heels in love with this child who had a dream and his dream was such a simple one but it was such a meaningful one to him and I actually I just fell in love with him so yeah that's just I think that's going to be it it's it's going to be a pinnacle book for TJ and and I'm looking forward to the extraordinaries as well I think that you know he is really taking things kind of next level and I love to see it so yeah I I suspect when we get together in like December I think we'll all have this on our best of list oh it yeah yeah, it's already on my list of the best of the year it it just just from the from the standpoint of it being such a sweet unique just a beautiful, lovely, lovely book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll also just throw in plot-wise, although I think the plot is mostly centered on Linus and his sort of sense of self-discovery he has about himself and his sort of role in the world, as well as these children, there is also a romance element oh, yeah. where between um, Linus and the sort of caretaker of this orphanage or of this school for the kids. And mm-hmm. so I think that it's sort of like, on the back burner slowly developing over the course of the story it's definitely not the focal point but there is a really sweet happily ever after for Linus and Arthur and for the kids and for everything else so 
it's not romance forward in terms of being the main focus of the plot, but definitely there's a romantic arc in the book as well. There is. And I think I think that speaking of Arthur, I, I think that, you know, both he and Linus in, in their own unique ways bring across the message of how important adults are in, you know, in the lives of, of these kids and and shaping how they see themselves. And I just thought, yeah, it was just such a beautiful book, yes, such a beautiful book. So we'll kick off the other books we're going to talk about. And Jay, we'll kick it off with you. I know not, you two don't have overlapping books, which is going to be really uh -huh. awesome to hear what all you have to recommend. All right. Well, I'm sort of cheating a little bit here because I am recommending a book, but I'm actually going to broaden it to talk about a series and an author um, that I really like. The book that I'm going to talk about is Temptation by E.M. Lindsay, which has also recently been released. But I want to back up and talk about her writing in general. I discovered E.M. Lindsay's work actually over the holidays when I was looking for a Hanukkah story, and they were fairly thin on the ground this year in gay romance land. So she actually recommended her book or suggested her book to touch the light, which is a standalone novella in her Irons and Works series, which is sort of a found family series about a bunch of guys who work for a tattoo parlor. And that all takes place in this small town. And Temptation is the second book in a spin-off series that she has the, called the Breaking the Rules series. And since December, I think I've read like five or six of her books because I just have really been caught up in her writing. And I think that what really stands out for me is her stories have this really fabulous character development. Even when the plot seems very straightforward or very sort of in genre in terms of being very much along the lines of other things I've read, she has such good character development with these layered rich characters that it really makes the stories so unique. And I think the other thing that characterizes a lot of her work is that many of the characters in the stories have various disabilities. So characters in wheelchairs, characters with hearing impairment, characters vision. And so that's something that is so seldom seen in gay romance. And so having that kind of diversity, I think, is really interesting. And what I love is that it's always very well explored in the books, but it's never the focus of the character. It's not about, you know, somebody being in the wheelchair, but that everyday life that this character lives is very much incorporated. So that's my big plug for E.M. Lindsay's. But the most recent book, Temptation, again, takes place in the same small town. This is sort of a spinoff series and the characters from both series sort of coming in and out of each other's books, although individually they all can stand individually. And this story features Colton, who is a young man just sort of out of his teens who was sent to a conversion camp as a teen and managed to escape and made his way to this town in Colorado where he was eventually in foster care at um, Ted House, which is a LGBT center that recurs throughout the series. Um, and then he's paired with Marcel, who... Um, has come to this town with his boyfriend and just found his boyfriend cheating on him and is now trying to sort of reinvent his life. And Marcel has vision impairment, and so it deals with sort of that. And both of them are really dealing with the same issues of wanting to sort of stand on their own and show what they can do with their lives, but having people who are sort of want to coddle them and take care of them and they want to prove that they can sort of stand on their own. And they're both going through transitions with their jobs and with their lives. And it's just a really good story. The characters have such a great connection. And like I said, I find the character development in Lindsay's writing to be so good. So I'm really excited about this. And I'm actually still going back and picking up books from the first series because I missed them the first time around. So definite recommendation for anything that she writes. Oh, and really exciting. There's another three-author book with Kate Hawthorne and Am Denning, who the three of them are writing a book together which is just coming out as well. So lots of cool stuff from her. Very cool. Any Anytime you, you want to plug an author in its entirety like that, you know <laughs> that's going right onto my TBR. <laughs> All right. My first book is a recent release, a debut novel, debut author. It's called Fire Watching by Russ Thomas. And this is the first 
book in a new series um, titled the Detective Sergeant Adam Tyler Mystery Series. That was a mouthful. <laughs> and so Detective Sergeant Adam Tyler is the protagonist. He's the anti-hero in this in this particular series. And and I call him the anti-hero because he's he's a loner. He he's kind of the hard-boiled sort of detective who, you know, he doesn't need any friends. He doesn't, you know, he just wants to get in. He wants to do his job. And so he is investigating. He's he works cold case. And so he is investigating a cold case murder. And the mystery uh, you know, at first, at the, when I first started reading the book, it was kind of, he was introducing all of these little things and I was kind of lost. And I thought, I have no idea where this is going. But then as the story goes along, he weaves all of these things together so beautifully in little bits and pieces so that by the time you get to the end, everything was just like the big reveal <laughs> and who, yeah, who the, the, the killer was. And it, there's, uh, there's an arsonist. And so you wonder throughout is the, ar- is the arsonist and the, the murderer, the same person. And he just really ties it all beautifully, uh, so beautifully uh, uh, together in the end that I had no idea who, who the perpetrator was going to be until it was, re- until that person was revealed. So yeah, it's it just there. It's, tense it's suspenseful there really isn't a a relationship arc there is maybe the hint of a potential one coming down the line but the the one of the bigger conundrums in in the story is that adam unwittingly accidentally uh, sleeps with one of the suspects the son of the actual murder victim who was murdered six years ago and so that causes complications and he considers he considers recusing himself from the case because of a conflict of interest but his his superior officer talks him out of it and so that causes all kinds of complications as as things go along so it's just the the investigative part of it the the murder mystery the arson the tension danger suspense action you know who done it it was just all really really beautifully put together so i'm really excited to have have discovered you know and, and be able to say wow he hit it out of the ballpark the first time out so i'm really excited to uh, get book two in in this next series so fire watching russ thomas just a really really outstanding investigative procedural murder mystery and of course, right up my alley. So another yeah. book on the TVR right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Lisa's good at finding these like debut books or authors that like I haven't heard of. I'm excited. You know, I just I follow people on Twitter, and then you know, I and then it's like, oh, oh God, really? And so here's another book to add to the TVR pile. But you know, yeah. So I just follow folks on Twitter who always seem to have these great recommendations and you know I get suckered into it and this one really really you know when you go into the unknown and you just never know especially with a debut you just never know if it's going to if it's going to pan out if you and the author are going to gel which some of that so much of reading is do you really relate to this author's writing style and how they are communicating the story and I just thought this one was great. So, so yeah. And there's, you know, the, there are a, a couple of elderly women. This is, you know, the parts where he introduces these elderly women, and you think, how in the world are they relevant to this story? And <laughs> just he just meets details and and little things out, you know, just a, a little bit at a time to keep you interested and keep you following along. And it's just. It was really top-notch. I loved it. Nice. Oh, good. Yeah, I'm going to check it out. So my second one is Virgin Flyer by Lucy Lennox. And um, I've been a fan of Lucy's writing. I've been reading her Wild Family series. So this was a, is a standalone, actually. The story features, I, I want to say it's Teo. But I may, it's T-E-O. So that's how I'm going to pronounce it, but I probably am wrong. Who has long been in love with his best friend, Chris. 
and has sort of been waiting for this relationship to happen. And Chris has sort of been stringing him along, giving him the impression that, yes, in fact, this might happen at some point. And now Teo's reached this point in his life where he realizes that he's this grown man, no experience, and he worries that when things ultimately materialize with Chris, he's going to be sort of unprepared. So he decides that he wants to sleep with somebody, but he doesn't want... He doesn't want just sort of like a grinder hookup. He wants something that gives the feel of a relationship. So he puts out an ad for a silent hookup, meaning sort of a relationship experience, boyfriend experience, no talking, no exchanging names. And this pilot named Jack, who sort of has a guy in every port kind of thing, sees the ad, decides it would be interesting. They have this sort of combustive, incredible chemistry and then they don't even exchange names and think they're never going to see each other again. And of course, they're both now sort of pining for this connection. And of course, they end up re-encountering each other. And the rest of the story is sort of them navigating their relationship while Teo is coming to terms with, are things meant to be with him and Chris or not? And so I, I guess there's sort of a love triangle element to it. But great story. It's I just really fell in love with the characters and it's one of these books which Lucy does very well which is very sweet and also very sexy at the same time and sort of getting that that dynamic and watching both of these men realize that they're falling for each other but Jack of course thinks it's completely no chance because Teo is in love with Chris and Teo having to come to understand what the future that he always imagined for himself and the life that he always thought that he would have with Chris and deciding whether or not that's still life that he wants. So loved it. And of course, Lucy's stuff just burns up the charts. So it's been getting really great reviews all over the place and great story. I know Jeff, you're a Lucy fan. Yes. I am a major Lucy fan. This is very high up on my TBR already. Because I, I am so gaga for the Wild series. I've read some of the Marion books, too, uh-huh. but the Wild books, yes, especially Felix and the Prince and oh, King Me. Favorite. Yes. Love, love, love. And this Those one, are my two favorites, my definite two favorites. It's funny that you say that, because for sure. And um, yeah, and if you like that style, I think that you'll really like this as well. And it's apparently on audio now already, too. So if you like your... Your audio, I believe that Michael Dean did the audio. But yes, very much in that tone of the Forever Wild series. I haven't read the Marion series, so I can't compare it. But very much in that same tone. But again, a standalone. But that sort of mix of sweet and sexy and just, I loved the way the relationship developed and gave the guys a chance to sort of figure out what they wanted for their lives. You know, Jack is going through sort of career decisions. And like I said, Teo is going through relationship decisions and... Um, just really well done and such a good story. Nice. Well, my next one is is Jordan Castillo Price's Bitter Pill. I've never really talked about this series, and I've been reading it since 2010. So I've I've been invested in this series for 10 years. She's been writing it for 14 years. The Psychop series is is really it's 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 to to me just one of the genre standards. She just, you get to a point in a series sometimes when you think that the author just doesn't know when to end or doesn't know how to end. Mm -hmm. And I don't want this series to end like ever. Over the course of 14 years, her world building has, has just continually been incredible the the abilities that that make up her psychop world are are phenomenal victor bain is just kind of this this seminal i don't even know he's he's just kind of he's kind of this pragmatic kind of guy who sees and talks to dead people and but he's like off the charts talented in 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 the measurements of talents within this verse and and his relationship with Jacob Marks started off you know in a bathroom at the retirement party for for Vic's ex-partner so it you 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 don't get the sense 
in those first few novellas and even for a little bit for a little while longer as the novel started getting longer you still kind of wondered is is you know Vic kind of Jacob's kink you just really don't know like what the dynamic of their relationship is other than the fact that that Jacob seems just really really fascinated with with Vic and his talent and now you know she has really taken Jacob I think to a new level of she she has developed his character where you you saw this guy who was always kind of cool sort of impervious you didn't really get the get the idea that he could be flustered by anything and then and then all of a sudden you start to see kind of the the chinks in his armor and and he he does he he things do scare him and and so you know she's really started developing Jacob's character in the 10th book which is which is the the book prior to just this most recent one murder house jacob and vic spend the entire book apart and it was such um, a revelation in how much they really have come to rely on each other and they need each other and how much they deeply deeply love each other was you know kind of the the absence makes the heart grow fonder sort of thing, you know, and you don't really realize when you're in things day to day until that that thing that you count on being there every single day isn't there anymore. And I just thought it was such a great building of their rom- romantic arc. And then the, this latest book, Bitter Pill, it's another book that's going to go on my best of 2020. I, I think that she just has really, she, you know, is is doing a great job of Vic now having to really not not remember his past, but now confront his past. Yes. His, his past is coming back and confronting him. And so he doesn't really have any choice but to, you know, to do whatever he can and and there, there was a, a even a little side a poignant very poignant side story in this that I thought JCP really wove beautifully into into it one of the one of the ghosts who is uh one, who is an informant for, for yeah. Vic one of his one of his ghost informants was a, a former sex worker who was murdered and she has a, a really really touching story that both Vic and Jacob help resolve that I thought I I was it's probably one of the most moving things I think JCP has ever written certainly in this series and so I I just you know I wanted to give Bitter Pill some love and the Psychop series some love and Jordan Castillo Price some love because she really just delivers time after time after time she's written so many great series her Nevermind trilogy is is phenomenal her you know the her Morpheus series with Wild Bill and Michael is, is another. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wild Bill and Michael were my first my first experiences with JCP. And I mean, you know, it, it's like the first book is a long short story, short novella, and it's super erotic. And so you don't when you're reading that, you're thinking oh gosh this is kind of porny right (laughs) but then but then you know she just builds book after book after book this relationship between Michael and Wild Bill and it's just really it's sexy and it's it's you know just it's got all these elements of you know it's emo angsty but yet it's sexy and thrilling and it's just yeah so so bitter pill jordan castillo price it's kind of it's intimidating to look at a series and go oh my god it's already 11 books in and she's already writing book 12 but you know those first what four or five are are novella length you know you can get through them quickly if you can catch up i just love this series and highly recommend it for sure i'll just add to what you were saying is that i think that Vic and Jacob are definitely on my, you know, all-time favorite couples list. And I love the odd couple sense of them. Jacob is sort of uh, the David Gandy character. You know, he's beautiful. He's suave. He's, you know, everyone's always falling all over him. And Victor is very sort of awkward and uncomfortable in his own skin in many ways. And Jacob is madly in love with him. And Victor doesn't even really understand why. But Victor is the one who is so super talented on this, you know, sort of paranormal type scale. And I I will echo what you said that I really like how in the last few books, Jacob is sort of coming into his own as being sort of more than 
the backup or the sort of not sidekick isn't the right word really but that concept of sort of being there as a supporting role to what happens happening with Victor and he's getting his own sort of arc in terms of his own abilities and or sort of null abilities and how all that's pulling together so I think the series really is continuing to take interesting turns even this far in yeah and 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 JCP has written some some short little codas Mm -hmm. in between the books and some of them are from Jacob point of view and that's such it's such a it's such a revelation to get his thoughts and feelings about how like just head over heels in love he is with Vic and Vic is just kind of like I don't know why this guy loves me but I'm glad he does you know and and Jacob really really does love him so much so yeah I just think that that's just you know you know, I just had to give JCP some love because that's just such a great series. And Bitter Pill, I think, might have been one of my favorite books in the series so far. I think she's really ramped up the action in that one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was great to talk to her back in episode 226 about mm-hmm. not only Bitter Pill, but kind of the the history and the origins of Psychop. It's one of my biggest probably gaps in the genre is that I've only read one Psychop book. Oh, um, yeah. And it's on that list of things. I need to get back yeah. there and right. catch up yeah. on that series because it was yeah. so good. Yeah. Well, I think that, you know, one of the one of the things that really, really shows when she writes those books, you know, they're they're from Vic's point of view. And she's been writing his point of view for 14 years now. And it's so clear how very well she knows this character and his voice. And, you know, it's amazing to me what the journey that she's been on with this character for so many years now that, yeah, it's just, it's, when you start reading the books, it's like, my old friend, Victor Bain, it's so great to see you again, you know? She just has that sort of, she has him down to such a conversational sort of storytelling mode that you really do feel like you're hanging with an old friend who's telling you about the things that he's going through as he's going through them. It's just so, it's so great. She, she's just amazing. Yeah, I gotta move that up my TBR now too. Yeah, yeah do I recommend you do it. <laughs> All right, so my last one is going to be Burned by Nora Phoenix, which is actually the third book in her um, Ignite trilogy. So three books, and they are a post-apocalyptic story that starts in a, well, it's a dystopian future where the United States has been divided into three parts, and the central United States is the conservative United States, and being gay is punishable by being put in jail, and these sort of They call them camps, but they're really prisons. And the three characters, Austin and Tan, know each other and have been friends for years as they've been in this camp. And um, Mac is a new character who they haven't met yet. And the book opens on the night that there's this giant meteor shower and suddenly the camp is destroyed and they see their opportunity to escape. And they're attempting to make it to one border or the other but it's winter and it's dangerous. And then they realize that things are ramped up a level when they realize that they weren't just meteors, but in fact, it was an alien attack and that these, you know, these landings were actually the aliens that were coming and looking to do something nefarious that we don't find out, you know, until later. So I won't give it away on the third book. But so the story is sort of, again, like a dystopian post-apocalyptic combination that follows these three men as they're fleeing and have so much uncertainty because they don't know what's going on. They don't know which direction is safe. They don't know what they should do. Um, and they're relying on one another. And so they're building this relationship as they go. And Tan has some difficult past that he's sort of reconciling. And he and Austin have been dancing around each other, but Austin's very protective because he doesn't want to be yet another person who is sort of using Tan or just wants him for sex. And then we have Mac, who is very naive and grew up in a very sheltered environment, and he is completely inexperienced with almost anything in the real world. So it's a really nice combination of 
um, the relationship dynamic among the three of them, but also Nor Phoenix has put together just such an interesting post-apocalyptic story, which I'm really a fan of, and there's not a ton of them. I always grab them when I can find them because um, it's not a huge, you know, part of the genre, uh, you know, genre within gay romance, but really ties together the story of what's happening in the world and how they're going to make their way and. We are getting to the end and thinking, how is it possibly like, are they going to come out of this with a happy ending? There's a million things going wrong. And somehow she pulls it together in a way that actually really works. And it just, you know, builds this happy ending for them and a good resolution. So really good story. And again, it's a trilogy. They're all out now. So you can pick up, start with the first one. And it reads almost like one continuous story. So the books pick up one right after the other and tie together really well. Interesting. Not just, you know, this alternate universe where the country's divided up, like you mentioned, but then you throw aliens on it, too. And then aliens, right. And then a threesome. And then, right. Yes, there's a lot. There's a lot happening in these books, which, again, could have been really, like, just overwhelming. But it really does pull together. And, I mean, the ending is sort of crazy. You sort of have to go along for the ride. But it actually does all come together in, you know, all this sort of different things happening comes together really well and a bit of a slow burn on the romance department through the first book and then it really heats up in the second and third. But I think it was really interesting. I always like the stories where you're sort of seeing how people figure out how to make their way when, you know, everything's falling apart. It feels very timely right now, which I didn't think about when I chose it. Um, (laughs) But, you know, it just was interesting to see and just some little fun, you know, bits about how they managed to you know, survive and the different things that they do to make their way through this process. So definitely, definitely fun. And I think that, you know, Nora tends to be known for her Empreg stories and her contemporaries. So this is one that I think doesn't quite get as much buzz or awareness of her books. So if you like her writing, definitely this is worth checking out for sure. Cool. You read all these authors I've never read before. This is great. Well, I think you do that for us too, Lisa, because you're like, you've come up with these debut authors and everything. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> keeps things fresh on both sides. That's true. That's so true. what? what's your final book? My final book is a contemporary teen romance called Only Mostly Devastated by Sophie Gonzalez. If you love the movie Grease, this book is unapologetically, adorably, <laughs> delightfully Grease fanfic. There's, a, there's more to it. There is more to it. It goes a little bit deeper than just, you know, the, the boys meeting over the summer and, and, and then separating. But they're not really, set, really separating. So Ollie and Will meet on their family vacations at a lake in North Carolina over the summer. Will is in North Carolina from California. His aunt is ill with cancer and so he's spending he's spending some time there during the summer and he and will develop a relationship and they just they just fall hopelessly devoted to each other (laughs) they just fall in love and they make promises you know how you are when you're a teen and you make promises and everything seems like forever and you don't know if those promises that you're going to be able to keep but they make them anyway and then and then they go their separate ways because ollie and his family have to go back to to california except ollie and his family don't go back to california ollie ends up staying in north carolina and so he's starting at his new school doesn't know anybody he's a little bit he's a little bit not really introverted but he's he's shy and 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 doesn't doesn't talk much and so he ends up being sort of taken under the wing of, of a, few, a few of the girls who are sort of the pink ladies, except there's only three of them. There's not four. So, so they all go to first day of school, like party, school party. And lo and behold, who is there who has been ghosting Ollie for weeks now, but Will. Well, Will is, you know, he's the jock. He's on the football team. He is, he's not out at school. And so there's the whole conflict then of how Will is not the boy who Ollie thought he was. Will doesn't act the way as sweet and kind and compassionate and generous and just everything, you know, that, that Ollie fell in love with over the summer. Uh, Will can be kind of, you know, kind of a jerk. And, you know, so, so the, the whole, it just, it's the, the, the unraveling of, of, their feelings and will coming 
to a point where he starts becoming comfortable with you know, there was a point where he didn't even like admitting that he knew Ollie because, you know, he didn't want to be he didn't want to be friends with Ollie because Ollie is 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 out and proud of being out. And so he didn't want that by association sort of thing. But through music, they don't break into song and dance in the Aww. middle of the lunchroom or anything. There's no flash mob style, you know, dancing and singing. But music does play a big role. Ollie is a musician. And so Will uses that as a way to begin to connect with Ollie, showing interest in his music. And they go through some bumps and there are some family traumas to deal with. That, that give the story a little more heart, a little more depth. But overall, if you know, if you love, if if you love that that premise of Greece, and you and you like the the you, yeah, Me and, too. <laughs> and you like young adult romance, you know, teen romance, high school romance. It's just a really really sweet book. So only only mostly devastated by Sophie Gonzalez is just a, a really sweet fun read. That sounds right, delightful. Yeah. The more books, the more happy, bubbly things we can get right now, I think the better. Oh, uh, what, what's more happy and bubbly than Greece? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And so, yeah, it's got the humor, it's got the pathos, it's got, you know, the pining. And uh, so, yeah, it's just, it was I love a good pining. Yeah, right? yeah, me too. Yeah. Me too. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what, it was a lot of fun. Well, okay. guys, this has been awesome i love all of us together it was ridiculously fun we will put links to everything in the show notes that we talked about plus the reviews that'll be on sure. both of your sites for these books and i think we'll probably be doing this again in about three months yeah i hope so love it. yeah that sounds like great a great idea and thanks again to Jay and Lisa for stopping by. I so enjoyed the three of us together talking about books. So much good stuff there. I got some new YA. Of course, Lucy Lennox's book was already on our TBR. Some new romantic suspense. I just, I need more time to read the books. That's what it comes down to. <laughs> All right, everyone, I think that'll do it for this week's show. Coming up next in episode 234, Jeff's co-authors for the Hockey Allies Bachelor Bid Series join him to talk about the upcoming series. Yes, I got to have a nice sit down with RJ Scott, VL Losey, Susan Scott Shelley, and Chantel Murr. We're going to talk about the origins of this hockey romance series that we've put together. And we'll have that for you just as the books get ready to go on pre-sale on March 31st. Remember, everyone, no matter where life takes you, the journey will always be sweeter when you have a book. Until next time, everyone, please keep turning those pages and keep reading. Big Gay Fiction Podcast is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. You can find more shows you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. New episodes of this show are available every Monday wherever you get your podcasts. You can help support this show with a monthly pledge through Patreon. For more information about joining our community and the bonus content we deliver, check out patreon.com slash biggayfictionpodcast. I'm Kurt Graves. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. <laughs>